Yo, 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 and welcome back to another episode of the Nick and Griff Show. Today is Saturday, April 30th. It is 8.59 a.m. Just turned 9 o'clock a.m. Griff, how was your week, man? Pretty killer, brother. You know, California weather is pretty insanely nice. That's what I would take away from this week. Anytime there's a bad day, it's really not that bad. If you've grown up in the Midwest. Or, for that yeah. matter of fact, played football in college at, in the Northeast. You know what? Yikes. A Wednesday in California is not the same for everybody. Okay? <laughs> it's not the same. Um, it, was, uh, it was really good. Got some really good stuff going in the, in the business. And, um, you know, it's kind of fun being, being a part of the Bitcoin community. But then also seeing, you know, in my everyday life, being in the commercial real estate world and commercial construction with working with developers and lenders and all that kind of stuff. It's fun to see that that side of the world churning and, and moving and shaking, right? And then we hop on here on a Saturday morning and we get to talk about what's coming in the future. And uh, so it's kind of fun to see both of these things playing out in real time. And then uh, getting to hop on here on a Saturday morning and, and chop it up and hang out and talk about what we're seeing. Yeah, it was a pretty wild week in the financial world as well as like the public sector but i guess we'll overview that in our little market check we uh we will let's hop into the old market check here what uh what were some of the things that you were uh seeing here this week I, as you know like i like loosely keep up with a lot of the traditional markets i just saw that they were down i saw amazon took a 15 percent dump because mm-hmm. everybody calls it a dump in bitcoin it's a dump in amazon what a shit coin that is. And secondly, I saw that the NASDAQ is down like 21 or 22% this year. And Bitcoin is only down 17. Yeah, so, so let's look just year to date. Yeah, look at that. Is decoupling? Because obviously it hasn't decoupled yet, but it is going down less, which in a recession is kind of impressive if you think about it. Bitcoin's pretty resilient. Look at that. I mean, that that right there is your COVID or pre-COVID top. And then it drops way off. And then we cru- we're cruising, 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 right? Uh, you know, it's kind of interesting looking at some of these types of things uh, or looking at like the S&P, the Dow Jones, uh, uh, the NASDAQ. It's it's pretty, it seems interesting that we we fall off, right, during COVID and then they print all this money. It seems like It seems to make sense that if they print a bunch of money and it all flows to equities, that that the the true impacts of inflation, as far as how they impact the markets, might be lagged behind. Right. Because if if everybody took all that stimulus money, all that extra printed money and it went all here. Right. and, And created this artificial boom. Well, then whenever people realize that it's all just made up and fake and and not exactly the truth and they start selling off, well, then that's when you start to see all the money flood into the markets, right? Or could be, right? I don't know. I'm just speculating there. What are your thoughts on that? Does that make sense? Uh, I don't know if the logic is there. You seem like, so you're saying like just the way money is flowing, there's a delay from what market first to- Yeah, so, so imagine like, uh, so they, they, print, uh, they print all this money mm-hmm. and- all the money that's printed that gets that gets thrown out into the market, let's say that people throw it all into the markets. And let's just say, for super simple example, they throw it all into the S&P 500 
And then because all this excess liquidity is thrown into the S&P, that it, it jumps in price, right? Um, it, it, therefore, it would create this artificial boom in the stock market. Uh, but that all that printed money uh, did not go out into the markets and increase the price of products as drastically as it could have, right? But then people start to realize, oh, this this market is artificial, right? This price isn't real. It's because of the, the, the printing of the money that got thrown into the market. People sell off and then they're sell off. And now, now, they're, now that excess liquidity is in the hands of uh, the people who sold all the stock. And, and then it starts entering the market a little slower, a little slower. I mean, you know, we're seeing inflation at eight and a half percent in March. I mean, is that a lagging effect or is that showing real time effects? Obviously, well, like we could talk about the, how the metric is done, but like we know what it's actually showing. I mean, like we also know that they changed that metric to their liking. It's like you take a bad. I mean, relative inflation is hard to really gauge. That's why a lot of economic theories suck, because you're really like, what? who are you to tell somebody that the economy is good? It really is all relative, depending on who you are. The economy is not good right now. Not if you don't own assets, not if you haven't been able to play the game for a little while. It's really hard to absorb these inflationary like bubbles. It's also really hard to absorb the prices as a regular day consumer. It's just, it's tough right now. And Rick, what, look what at this. What, what does this mean here? Looking at this dollar index. I have no idea. What does this mean, dude? I saw I saw a deal that um, that Dylan LeClaire was talking about. Um, basically, we're coming to this point where everything is converging and uh, and it's about to just go kaboom. Right. Uh, but it's it's super weird looking at this. I mean, with the markets falling off and then the currency, the dollar coming up in value. I don't even, what does this even mean? Dude, there's so many pieces. Um, maybe, uh, maybe we know somebody else that, that can help us out with this. You know, Hey, we got Joe Consorti coming back on. I don't know if you saw that on Twitter last night, but got him scheduled. He's going to come back on and he's a, he's big on this type of stuff. He likes tracking the macro tra- trends, the the charts, all that kind of stuff. So we'll have to see if he, uh, if he's got any thoughts on this. I'm sure he does, but well, hey, for you guys that are listening here, the S and P, over this past week, uh, it is down $155. It's sitting at $41.31. And uh, Bitcoin is, let's see, on the week down uh, $755. And it is sitting at $38,400. Um, let's look at uh, the NASDAQ here. Well, as far. It's the one Bitcoin is still one Bitcoin. You know what I'm saying? That, that, that's, really, that's really the main thing, right? I mean, it really is the main thing. Uh, there's been a lot that's going on in Bitcoin, obviously, but the market, I'm pretty sure within the last week, the hash rate is now at a new all time high. Yeah. I've Bitcoin seen that secure than ever. It's still the greatest incentives program ever. I will say, cause I like doing this now. I need to start saving my favorite tweet of the week so that I could read it on here. Mm, that'd be a good little piece there. Yeah. Yeah. My favorite, favorite tweet of week? this week though, was somebody who was like, you know, blockchain had been around. Bitcoin's innovation is not really blockchain. So everybody that's so obsessed with blockchain, like that's not what we really got right with Bitcoin. What Bitcoin got right was proof of work and an incentives program that makes it so that it is more advantageous for you to join the network than it is for you to attack it. That's what, I mean, those are two things that Bitcoin did better than any other H, like hash cash or whatever they had back in the day. 
<clears throat> that's what made it better. And so I think people just don't understand. People continue to not understand one Bitcoin is one Bitcoin and the Bitcoin standard is coming, whether you like it or not. Bitcoin does not care. And I don't know. That's just what I would like to kick it hey, off. Hey, another piece. I had an, a super interesting conversation and I'm, I'm excited. We've got this guy booked to come on the show as well. Big geopolitical guy uh, talking about uh, the mass adoption of Bitcoin as a legal tender, as a currency, as a store of value. Uh, all of these different pieces. Um, we were talking about the Central African Republic that just announced uh, that they are going to be adopting Bitcoin as their legal tender, right? So that's that's the second country. So we've got El Salvador, and now we've got the Central African Republic. But we were talking about mass adoption and the order that that has to go in. Um, I sent you a string of text I messages. I want, I want you to dive into this with me. We're we're gonna have to now. We'll we'll dive into it with with the guy whenever he comes on the show because he he really took me through his thought process and and it really kind of shocked me. I, it was you know I, I'd kind of thought about what he was talking about before, but not to the depth that he brought it. And so uh, that was really interesting. So I'm excited to have him on here in a couple of weeks and we'll get to dive into that. But before we get to more guests, I'm excited to have another guest on today, uh, a lo- an, another local Tulsa Bitcoiner, been in the space for a long time, uh, well-established guy, uh, got to meet him, uh, let's see, at my first Tulsa Bitcoin meetup in person, I guess, met him for the first time there, uh, talked a little bit on Twitter, Got to be a guest on his radio show and podcast last week. I think it was last week. And uh, we are excited to have him here. He is the host of the Cryptocurrency with Matthew J. Moore show. And uh, today we have got on none other than Matthew J. Moore himself. Welcome onto the show, Matt. How are hey. you? Hey, doing good, guys. Happy to join you. Absolutely. How how has your week been? We we normally like to start this thing off and and you know what was your week like? What's uh, what's happening in your world and what's yeah man um, yeah just in talks with a couple of uh, potentially new sponsors for the radio show. I've been hammering out some new guests and uh, that's that's kind of been my my main focus. So and the the spring is here, so I'm actually celebrating spring. So I'm actually looking forward to that. Yeah, I, I don't know, uh, Griff, if you can if you can see those sunglasses too well, but I got to see him in person the other day, and these suckers are no joke. <laughs> yeah, those things are like a whole like face shield in football. Like, that's like, right. Things cover a lot of surface area right there. Yeah, I don't. I have not. Well, we met right before the show here, but how did you start a radio show for Bitcoin? Where yes. did where did you get that idea? Why did you start it? Where are you guys at now? Has it grown a ton? Like, how's it been doing? Those yeah, guys? yeah, uh, yeah. So we've been doing it for a year. Um, we've had you know wonderful guests like Mark Yusko and Greg Foss and some really big names in the Bitcoin space. And uh, recently, we just had uh, Brian Harrington from Choice App, which I think maybe you guys have coming down the road. But uh, it's it's been it's been a blast because you know a year ago I had a friend of mine. His name was Eric Cooper, who is the co-host of the show. Uh, he was a salesman at uh, Cox Media Group, and uh, their program director had an opening slot in their kind of financial section 
of their their programming and they were like hey do you have any ideas of you know what we could do for this slot you know sundays at 5 p.m 6 p.m and eric was like well have you thought about doing something with uh cryptocurrency or you know stuff like that and he's like uh no he's like uh Actually, I've never even heard anybody doing that on on the radio, and uh, and this is like one of not only one of the top performing radio stations in Oklahoma, but this this radio station has won national awards over and over again, and they've got this cult following. And yes, a lot of the listeners are geared towards the baby boomer generation, but when the, when Eric approached me about the idea, because Eric was like, "Listen, I, I, you're the only one, the guy that I know that could talk for an hour about this stuff." Uh, and have it be entertaining. And so he's like, do you want to do it? And I was like, yeah, man. I was like, absolutely. Cause like I, I got into the space. Like I started buying Bitcoin when it was roughly around $800 in 2017 and uh, just been head, head first into the space ever since. And for me, I, I just wanted to get the word out. I wanted to let people know about how our money system works, you know, why it's going to fail, uh, what they can do to protect themselves, why Bitcoin matters. Uh, and so, you know, I've been this annoying guy on social media in my, you know, small network of people that I have here in Tulsa. And it's actually paid off because now, uh, you know, people know me in Tulsa as one of the, the leading thought leaders in Tulsa and even Oklahoma. I've, I've had the opportunity to go speak to the legislature in Oklahoma. I helped author some of the first legislation in Oklahoma uh, around the subject matter. Now, in 2019, I was a little early. Uh, so obviously, there was a lot of hesitation. And it was back in the day when it was, you know, blockchain, not Bitcoin, that big narrative that was going on. And, um, and so I was just simply trying to educate. And my bills got killed in committee. They never got to the floor for a vote because uh, there was a the, the chairwoman of the committee that my bills were in uh, there was, she was running for Congress at the time and these bankers that were funding her campaign basically told her to kill the bills. And so, yeah, it's, it's been an uphill battle, but there's another bill going through Oklahoma that, uh, is, you know, creating tax incentives for Bitcoin miners. I think there's going to be a little more luck with that one. Um, and, uh, and now I'm getting invited to speak at uh, local chambers of commerce, uh, here in Oklahoma. And I just finished one in Shawnee, Oklahoma, uh, sharing them about what's coming and why they should care. And the room was filled with a bunch of bankers, community bankers. And I said, listen, guys, hey, your option is either Bitcoin or this central bank digital currency that's coming out. And I tr and trust me, you don't want a central bank digital currency because this is going to undermine your business model. Yeah. I was like, not that I'm a big fan of, of the banking model in general, but I was like, if anything, you should be fighting for Bitcoin, not for these central bank digital currencies. So um, that's kind of been kind of been my road, uh, my journey in, in the space. And uh, my goal is to just kind of expose more baby boomers to the space. I mean, people, I remember last year I, I was at Bitcoin 2021 and I was wearing this shirt, you know, asked me about my Bitcoin radio show. And I had people going like, why are you doing radio? That's so old school. And I said, man, listen, I said, uh, first of all, I'm double dipping because every time I go live on the air, I'm getting a high quality product that is reproduced and then turned into a podcast and I can gain online listenership. Uh, but so second of all, baby boomers are the ones that are listening to the radio. They need to know about Bitcoin. They have all the money. And if we want to grow the space, uh, let me correct myself. They have all the currency, not all the money. Um, and so if, they, if we want to grow the space, we got to throw a wide net and we got to bring these people in. And I can't tell you how many times I have gotten this, this, this comment, which is Matt, I've heard about Bitcoin. 
I got into my car and I turned on the radio and I heard you talking about it and I just started listening and that's what you know caused me to go down this journey. And so unless you know unless these baby boomers are on the internet and these algorithms on YouTube or other platforms know or think that they might be interested in this content, they're not going to find it. Um, and so I am literally trying to be a blanket exposure. I love the the pieces that you're where, where you're connected with the legislature and and pushing new legislature and trying to inform, you know, the people that don't know anything. That's interesting. Um, you mentioned a piece in there. You said that you guys were I think you said in 2019, maybe it was in Oklahoma City. You guys were working on some stuff and you said that uh, the 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 people who were funding a large portion of that that uh, political person's campaign said to kill the bill. Right. So what what uh, who are those types of people or entities uh, that that are opposing Bitcoin being furthered as far as legislation? And then uh, and then the, I guess the, the the question before that is what kind of legislation were you guys pushing? Was it for um, was it for ge very generalized regulations or what what kind of stuff was it that you guys were writing and who was pushing back on that? Yeah. Um, so basically what I did was I took what Wyoming did uh, back in the day, Caitlin's long group, you know, Caitlin Long, I'm sure you guys are familiar with her. She's got a group that she, she had in, in Wyoming and they got some wonderful legislation passed that was very friendly to the industry, basically saying, hey, the state's not going to come after your assets. This is we're going to build some frameworks here. We're going to keep the hands off approach. Uh, and so that was kind of, I just, I just didn't want them to try to regulate things like Bitcoin, like a security. Um, and so, you know, I just basically copied and pasted what they did and I was trying to get it, you know, through the legislature. Uh, but the people that were opposing it, you know, were just naive bankers at the time. Uh, and so now that, that trend is changing, obviously, you know, we've got banks in Tulsa, vast bank, which was the first bank in the country, uh, to offer custodian services around Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. And then they're going to eventually offer some, uh, you know, platform where you can borrow against your Bitcoin. So, I mean, that's, you know, whether that's right or wrong, that's for a whole nother conversation. But if I can just get these bankers out of the way and get them to be at least accepting to what is taking place, um, then great. Uh, but, you know, for the most part, it's, it, it has been an uphill battle, but I, it's slowly turning. The lieutenant governor uh, is really interested. In, in having Oklahoma kind of uh, incentivize the whole mining industry. I mean, they're watching what's happening to our neighbor to the south in Texas. And yeah. uh, we're, we're always, you know, big, we're always uh, Texas's little brother. And I told, you know, I've told many lawmakers, I was like, listen, guys, we had a chance to lead on this, but you didn't. And so now we're going to be following Texas once again, which is fine, I guess. I mean, that's our, that's our MO. But um, I mean, hey, we're, we're, we're doing what we can. Now, you mentioned <clears throat> Bitcoin versus central bank digital currencies. Do you feel like that's the greatest threat to Bitcoin adoption is the central bank digital currency? Do you feel actually how I don't think or do you feel like Bitcoin's adoption goes like how where do you see Bitcoin really playing out in the end? And then, you know, I mean, yeah. like central bank digital currency, like what's really in the way of getting it to your Bitcoin angle? Because everybody sees this thing ending up somewhere different. Not everybody right. really agrees how far Bitcoin can go. Yeah, I, I actually don't see, I don't actually believe that there is a real threat to Bitcoin out there. I think Bitcoin has already won the battle. Uh, and so for me, 
I, I look at it as Bitcoin is that layer one, level one store of value, uh, the ult ultimate asset, uh, the, you know, the, 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 the best kind of collateral that you can have. It is, it is going to be the best form of money the world has ever seen for a digital age. Absolutely. Um, but the central bank digital currencies, the reason why I make that parallel is not that I think digital central bank digital currencies are a threat to Bitcoin. I just don't want people to be naive and get sucked in to this. Hey, go to the Federal Reserve's website, download this app. We'll give you $10,000 of the new crypto dollars or whatever they want to call it. And then they're, they're stuck in a, a, a nanny state that's constantly monitoring, tracking and controlling their lives and their finances. And so I, Yikes. I, I, I basically am telling people like, listen, do you want freedom? Or do you want oppression? Because this tool or this technology is much like a gun. It can be used to liberate or it can be used to oppress. Do you want mm -hmm. a closed system or do you want an open system? Do you want a transparent system? Do you want a system that you know is, is the full nodes and if there is a mining component to any of it, it's all gonna be controlled by an elite group of people. So yeah. like, you know, I'm just trying to create the parallel. Like know what you are getting ready to accept because these changes are coming and there's two there's two camps. There's one camp that is centralized and wants control and wants the status quo to continue. And there's one camp that wants freedom and individuality and uh, permissionless. I mean, it's it's the to me. I think there's two different pathways. I don't think it's. I think regardless of what the state tries to do or what any other altcoin tries to do, nobody is competing against Bitcoin. Bitcoin has already won its battle. It's just inevitable. Bitcoin is inevitable. Flat out. Hmm. The you bring up a couple of, I mean, several interesting pieces here. Um, I, I love the idea of uh, you know, and, and we had kind of talked about this. There's all these altcoins. There's Bitcoin. There's Ethereum. There's Shiba Inu. There's Dogecoin. You know, everybody hears about the larger names. Everybody hears about those. Um, I do think uh, I, I agree with you there in that. There's all of these. There's all of these other pieces that are that are doing what they're doing, whatever that is, depending on the project and all that stuff. You've got, of course, you've also got to wrap into that. Like NFTs come in somewhere, and there's just like this whole space that so many people right. don't know uh, about what's going on, right? And and you know, even for even for Griff and I, like, and I guess I'll just speak for myself, but I mean, having dove into the space, like, there's stuff about. NFTs and, and crypto just in general that I'm like, I'm not really sure what this is or what's right. going on here, or how this works. And and I got to imagine for, you know, to, to your point, right, the baby boomer generation that that hasn't looked into this at all. It, it's probably extremely polarizing where it's all this and that's happening and what you've done and what this and that. There's a lot of like pointing the finger at at other groups of people right. as far as generations. Right. Um, and I think uh, what you're doing is, is really interesting in that, you know, do we want people to believe in Bitcoin? Sure, absolutely. But at the end of the day, if we can plant a seed in somebody's mind to, to make them think about this stuff, right, so that they can they can have somewhat of a foundation to push off of to maybe maybe create a little bit more curiosity to go out and figure out what it is for themselves um, to form their own opinions. Uh, that's, uh, that's big time, man. What I would like to ask to, <clears throat> to go on top of your, cause I don't really think anything's competing with Bitcoin either. I mean, it's, we're talking about the best monetary network the world's ever seen and it happened in what 13 years. So like, where is it going to go from here? 
And I think that's what I'd like to ask you, since you've been here since 2017 and you're working on the legislation, how far do you see Bitcoin going? Because it disintermediates banks. It disintermediates, I mean, like really like international trade. Who's to say it can't really like displace the government or shake up America to the point where it is the driving factor in a split over here in the States? Because obviously some people want that nanny money and some people very much so don't because they realize a world built in socialism or communism, that which would be even worse, has never worked out. And worlds built on free markets, which Bitcoin is the greatest free market the world has ever seen you know, how far can Bitcoin take us? Because that's, I mean, if we're working on the legislation, sometimes we're just like, why can't we do, let's just go, let's just go somewhere else, guys. Like, I don't like, let's just take, pick it up and move it somewhere else. Kind of like that's funny on that episode, you know? Yeah, yeah, no, I I agree. I agree. I think, I think, uh, you know, again, going back to that whole thing, Bitcoin is inevitable. I think the only reason why I'm working on legislation is not because I think Bitcoin needs legislation, but there's a lot of old, uh, thinking and legacy money that is only going to be comfortable if they have these perceived guardrails. Now, could there be a point in the future where it doesn't even matter because they are going to be forced to enter the space and buy Bitcoin? Absolutely. But if this, if their, if their wealth is trapped in this, in this uh, machine of of just debt and slavery and and just you know the, the, all these institutions they've got they've got a lot of wealth you know currently um, but if they if they're going to survive at some point they're going to have to put it into Bitcoin um, you know I think for the most part I'm doing legislation to to start a conversation to get people thinking on this stuff and to not necessarily say hey Bitcoin needs legislation per se but uh, if we can just say, hey, the state's going to take a hands-off approach, a free market approach, uh, then it gives it gives these institutions, it gives this legacy wealth a little bit more comfort uh, to enter the space. Because, you know, for the longest time, it's been, you know, not 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 quite as much today as it was, you know, years ago, which was Bitcoin was for drug dealers and you know, pornographers and all this other, you know, black market stuff. Um, but I, I just think that, uh, you know, the legislation is kind of like this this um the switch in in these in these people's minds that oh it's okay like i can actually i can actually participate in this and guess what regardless of whether it's me or somebody else people are going to put forth legislation so why not have friendly bitcoiners put forth legislation because guess what if i'm not doing it some you know progressive commie or some you know dollar lover or or central bank uh, influencer is going to is going to do something. So, like, why not be us? That's beautiful. I saw I saw a tweet. Speaking of Griff, speaking of the best tweet of the week, uh, <laughs> I saw a tweet and it was uh, it said Bitcoiners don't trust verify, and then it said fiaters trust the government don't verify. Just like. <laughs> Uh, yikes, you know, but that's like, that's real, that like, it, it's funny to simplify it into such a basic statement, but it's like, that's kind of right where we're at, right? I mean, <laughs> do you have any orange pilling stories of a baby boomer that you're proud of that you would share? I mean, like, do you have one that's like really great, like pretty funny? You were able yeah, to um, yeah, so, uh, actually my, uh, my dad, um, so, uh, so my dad's been pretty successful in business and, uh, we're, we're, our family's in fundraising and two years ago, 
uh, I basically told him that he his companies needed to buy uh, a uh, a company called the Giving Block, which is basically an API that uh, you know offers nonprofits the ability to accept cryptocurrency uh, for donations. And this company will actually solicit on their behalf to the crypto community uh, in order to incentivize you know uh, people in the space to donate crypto to offset any capital gains tax that they might have. And uh, and so I really kind of liked their model. And I, I told the CEO and I told my dad, I was like, hey, guys, I think you guys need to buy this company and integrate it into your, your services. Because I think, you know, cryptocurrency donations are going to be a thing in the future, especially for nonprofits. And today we're seeing a lot of it. I, I can't tell you how many times I get asked internally uh, about this subject matter and uh, and a lot of nonprofits saying, hey, can you can you show me? how to accept cryptocurrency. Well, guess what? Like a couple months ago, uh, the CEO and my dad uh, called me and they were like, hey, um, what was that name of that company that uh, you told us to buy like two years ago? I was like, oh yeah, the giving block. They're like, yeah, um, it, it got bought out for $300 million. Uh, <laughs> and so I was like, I was like, well, I mean, I, I, I told you, I mean, like, but at the, you know, at the same time it was like, okay, they're like, oh, yeah, yeah. Bitcoin's the future. So, uh, so that was a, that was a very pivotal moment, but, uh, I thought that was a, that was a fun story. That's good. Uh, cha change in direction a little bit. We were talking, um, you know, earlier about, uh, the banking system. We, we talked a lot about the traditional banking system. Um, and I know that here recently I've seen just tons and tons. And I think you guys have too about all the energy consumption. Oh my God, Bitcoin's going to destroy the world. It's going to cook everything, this and that and this and that, right? Um, and, and I was listening to, um, I love Bitcoin Audible. I love listening to the Bitcoin Audible uh, articles and stuff, the the quick read, the crypto crypto quick reads, let's say that's six times fast. Um, love listening to those, but was listening to some stuff about the energy consumption. And, uh, and I don't, I think he may have mentioned it in passing, but it made me think about, you know, it's not like it's not like the Bitcoin mining industry is just additional consumption. It's replacing it's going to replace what is already consuming. Right. It's not like it's not it's not it's not like we have the 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 banking system and then crypto comes in on top of it. Crypto displaces Bitcoin mining. Bitcoin displaces the traditional banking system, right? So then we got to think, okay, Bitcoin consumption or Bitcoin energy consumption through the mining process, what is that to be compared to? Is that to be compared to, uh, you know, the amount of the amount of energy that is consumed by uh, the politicians and people that work within the Fed? Or, okay, may maybe. What about, uh, oh, all, the, all the, the current branches, all the physical branches of the banks, how much energy do they consume? Just the buildings alone. You got, right. you know, electric costs, HVAC, maybe gas, what, like how much, how much does that, how much energy does that consume? And then there's also data centers, right? Like there's completely online banks like Ally, who uh, we use for certain things. Uh, they're complete online banks, but they, they run servers and, uh, and all that stuff to keep their uh, information protected uh, at, uh, I don't know if you guys listened or listened to or read that uh, press release from, Fidelity, but they said that their platform is going to bring institutional grade security, which I thought was hilarious. It's like, guys, this Bitcoin is is the most powerful network. But anyways, you know, so what are your thoughts on that? I know that the uh, the energy consumption FUD has been wild. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. But it's but this is to be compared to the entire banking system, branches, the federal government, and how much time and energy they're cons- they're they're consuming in that realm. Uh, all of the 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 electric costs for running all of these um, centralized uh, databases. I mean that that's a lot more energy. And uh, there was some research that was done that I was I was reading where it was it was showing some of the numbers, some of the the rough numbers on the consumption of the traditional banking industry and, and Bitcoin was like uh 0.001% of that consumption. But, you know, we also got to think we're, it's not like we're just burning energy to make money. It's not like we're just, it's not like Bitcoin mining has no purpose, right? It protects the protocol of Bitcoin itself, which is the most powerful computer network in the world. It's fixed, scarce money. It's decentralized it allows people to lower their time preference and think about the future. And so my thought here is that the Bitcoin mining consu- energy consumption is, A, it's not just additional consumption. It's replacing and displacing what is currently in place. And it's much more efficient, which is really cool. Uh, and then the second piece is that Bitcoin mining and the energy consumption that goes into the network is the preservation of the the future of humanity it's it's a necessary energy consumption and it's kind of similar to the industrial revolution right are we using more or less energy after the the industrial revolution a ton more right but it's also increased living standards sure it displaced and 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 made a lot of people's jobs obsolete uh but it created a ton more as well um what are your thoughts on that matt i know that you've talked a little bit about the energy consumption. Yeah. Your yeah. So I was actually on uh, public television here in Oklahoma and I was debating uh, a economics professor at, from OSU and I was debating a financial advisor. Uh, and then there was me and my buddy, Chris, who is a Bitcoin miner. I don't mine Bitcoin, but he's obviously well more versed in, in the mining realm. But I, I made the points. I said, guys, I said, let's look at the utility value of what Bitcoin is doing. And in order to understand the utility value of Bitcoin, you first have to understand what is a fair form of money. You know, money is a representation of our time, labor, energy, freedom. It's our, it's our life force, right? Okay, and what makes something a fair form of money is when both the producer and the user have to spend time, labor, and energy and resources to A, either bring it into existence or B, work for it. Right now, the system that we have doesn't function that way. And so, and, and, and if you take a look at the petrodollar system, yes, currently the, the current banking system and the gold mining industry, Bitcoin, Bitcoin only uses about half as, as much energy as those two in, industries do. Um, but if you look at the petrodollar, we, we have to back the dollar by military guns. We have to protect trade routes. We have to incentivize OPEC nations to trade their mm-hmm. oil uh, in dollars. And, and in order to do that and secure the title of world reserve currency, we have to spend billions and trillions of dollars into a military. Basically, we're printing money from thin air in order to fund this. Mm-hmm. And, and I said, and how, much, how many fossil fuels does the the military use and we use 4.6 billion gallons of fossil fuels a year to to make sure the military keeps going and does what it does um and and so you know if you if we want to talk about you know carbon footprint let's talk about the fiat dollar system okay right now um bitcoin incentivizes people to find the cheapest energy and guess what the cheapest energy isn't 
always fossil fuels. That's actually renewable energy in remote and remote places. Um, and so you you need to build an incentive structure that makes renewable energy more viable. Um, and I believe that it's going to be more and more in the future. Uh, you know, it's it's already headed in that direction. That that most of uh, Bitcoin's energy consumption is going to be renewable energy. Just because something consumes energy doesn't necessarily means or equates to carbon footprint. Um, and so I think that's what people have to realize. And I think Bitcoin will end up winning this narrative and this this FUD that's being put out there. Um, because you know, if if humanity is going to progress, if humanity is going to advance, we have to have the ability to capture the entire energy production of the planet. I don't know if you've heard Charlie talk about this, but there's there's the type one, type two, type three civilizations. The type one is a civilization that's able to harness the full energy capacity of their planet. Type two, I believe, is the solar system, and type three is its galaxy. Um, and, and humanity, I, you know, we're, we haven't captured the entire energy production of the planet. And when I say capturing the energy production of the planet, that doesn't mean it has to be you know, CO2 or carbon emissions or carbon footprint. Like we're talking about the ability and the incentive structure to go to remote places and use hydro, wind, solar, uh, in, in, in all of this capacity and, and harness energy in these places where it was not viable before to, to economically to, to use that energy, uh, to transport that energy from point A to point B. And so I think actually Bitcoin helps us as a humanity advance forward by giving us the ability to enhance the production and use of our energy in a more efficient way. That's well, if you want <clears throat> if you want these rural places and these small countries to develop. Obviously there seems to be some powers that be that don't. I mean, do you have anything that you've thought about or seen recently where it's just like these guys don't want to see the Central African Republic grow? I mean, because what we're kind of talking about, right, like you're monetizing wasted energy, which gives us an entire kind of like a new industry to fill with jobs, to fill with people who need to work, to fill with all kinds of new cool ideas. And not to mention how many different companies can be built in kind of a decentralized money landscape. Right. So I guess I would like to take this to what's happened with Twitter, with Elon do you kind of feel like Twitter, like, do you think he's going to make a push and actually do something with that platform in Bitcoin and cryptocurrency and kind of decentralize it? Do you think he's doing it for some people think he's doing it for AI to help out with his robots so that they actually have free speech? Shoot, some people think that Elon uh, is just going to give it back to the developers and open source it and kind of just like not like he's wasting his money. But at the same time, he's not really looking to do a whole lot with it. He was just trying to piss people off. Do you like do you see like where do you see Bitcoin playing in kind of the Twitter space, but also just like developing and like building a lot of industries and changing a lot of industries really into something completely different? Right. Yeah. I mean, and I think to your guys' earlier point, I mean, I think, you know, regardless of what what happens, I think people are going to be incentivized to adopt and use and, and leverage uh, the Bitcoin ecosystem in, in whatever they're doing. I mean, the, the comment that I make all the time when I go to speak at some of these chambers of commerce is just like the Internet, uh, you know, disrupted multiple industries um, and touches every part of our life. So will Bitcoin. Um, and, and so even to a, to a greater degree, um, because we're talking about a, you know, peer to peer network that is, is essentially money and value. Um, but, uh, and energy, the monetization of energy. Uh, but I, I, I don't, you know, as far as Elon goes and Twitter goes, 
I don't know exactly how that picture is all going to work out. I, I, I do know that um, Elon has uh, gone through a evolutionary you know, process. I think he's kind of slowly uh, taking a more friendlier stance to, to Bitcoin. But I, 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 you know, do I the one thing I can't I'm not 100 percent certain about him or anybody else because we're all hard to be. What's that? I think it's hard to be just yeah. with billionaires and the way our current monetary system is set up. They really do have, I don't want to say an inequitable amount of power because that brings in a whole host of different discussions. Right. They have a lot of power that in a sound money world, it'd be really hard to achieve that amount of power in right. a Bitcoin standard. Right. But you're, you can go on. I mean, like Elon is yeah. his character. It's hard to figure that guy out. We don't know. Yeah. Yeah, it's obviously hard to figure him out, but I mean, he does say good things every once in a while. He says more good things than I think he says bad things, especially when it comes to his opinion on AI. I mean, he's he's always he's always had a whether he's right or wrong. A lot of times, he just needs a little bit more information and a little bit more time to consume it and think on it. But his approach has always been approach of caution and an approach of innovation and break the rules and think outside the box. And like, if there's one billionaire that I was going to have to put all my trust in, like, not that I want to, it would probably be Elon. Yeah, that's a good point. So I think that's fair. I think I would, if we're playing the pick billionaire game, I would probably pick him as well. I mean, I don't know who else would even come close. Obviously, there's just a lot of other billionaires in the world, the people he bought Twitter from, for example. So it's just like, yeah, I don't know who else we can trust. Or I'd like to just trust a new monetary network so that we could you know, somehow like get out from under where we're at right now. That would be kind of great. Right. But I don't know. Uh, the other thing that I wanted to touch on with Matt is what was the whole compass mining thing? Like, I don't understand. I don't understand. I, first of all, I don't really understand what the big deal is about compass mining. Are they trying to basically make it easier for people to mine in a sense? You know what I'm saying? Because as a perspective, I live in Sacramento, California. If it, I could figure out some way to get these wind turbines and, and turn that into Bitcoin, I'd probably become a billionaire. I'm not that well-versed yet to say that I could even think about doing that, right? But what is the deal with people getting mad at you for promoting a mining company? Like, is that essential? Because that's kind of what I saw. Let me and let me add on top of that too, because we had talked about this, and and I love I love what your perspective on this is, Matt. Uh, there's a lot of Bitcoin maximalists. Uh, and and I'll, I'll bring in the term toxic Bitcoin maximalism in the sense that uh, it's Bitcoin and Bitcoin only. Now, I would say it's Bitcoin and Bitcoin only. And I think Griff probably would as well. That that being said, we also can't shut out everyone else that that's playing the, the other games. Right. I mean, Griff, right. you started there. Right. That's how you ended up getting into Bitcoin yeah. is through the crypto space in general. Yeah, and Matt, I, I love your perspective on bridging the two together. So answer Griff's question there on on the compass mining piece. And then what are your thoughts on bridging the, the two spaces? Right. Yeah. So um, so I. Uh, obviously I'm not well-versed in the mining as much as my friend Charlie was, which he was on the show. And so when this all happened, I actually had to ask Charlie, I was like, Charlie, why, why are these maxis uh, attacking me? Because I posted this picture of me wearing this t-shirt and thanking compass mining for sponsoring Bitcoin day, which is a touring event that actually came to Oklahoma city that I spoke at 
along with other Bitcoiners from around the country who could be classified as your toxic maxis. And, um, and, and so, you know, I didn't know the history behind this, but Charlie went on to tell me, he goes, well, you know, compass mining has promised a lot of people and, and have taken a lot of people's money in, in uh, return to plug in miners uh, and have people benefit by, you know, getting to ben the benefits of mining without having to, you know, run miners. Well, the problem is Compass Mining is having all the same problems as all the other miners is, is they don't have enough places to plug in these machines. So they're not following through or delivering with their products or services or what they're offering people. And so it's, it's you know, people are coming out saying it's a scam and, and people are losing money and these guys are, you know, just horrible and all this stuff. And listen... I don't claim to know all the details. I have not worked with compass mining. I have not used them. So I don't know the ins and the outs of it. But what I do know is there is a hell of a lot of hypocrisy in the Bitcoin space, especially when it comes to the, the, the toxic maxi space. Because I'm like, guys, I was like, if you have such a problem with, with compass mining and you want to chew my butt for it, why did you even come to the conference that, was, that they were one of the premier sponsors at and you spoke at? I was like, you can't have your cake and eat it too. Like you can't, you can't do it both ways. Like, so, you know, pick, pick your side. Um, and I was, you know, I was listening to Dan, Dan Held. I know you guys are familiar with Dan Held and, and Dan Held's, you know, shares a very similar sentiment. And I'm going to quote him. This was from a recent interview that he was doing with uh, Peter McCormick. Um, and, and they were talking about this toxic community. Uh, and, and basically, you know, he made the point that early on in Bitcoin's culture, uh, in values, uh, the the defense mechanism or the protectionism or the quote unquote I don't know if you'd call it toxic you know because back then it probably wasn't toxic it actually had a purpose which was to protect things like the twenty one million hard cap the block sizes uh, reducing the influence of of powerful people to impact decisions on the protocol uh, single handedly um, and so this this community since bitcoin has essentially won like the, like essentially bitcoin is that hard money bitcoin is that base layer for the the digital economy nobody is competing with bitcoin it's almost like um this protectionism has turned into this autoimmune disease uh and now there's all this friendly fire and so you know there's a there's a there's there's no since there's no major external threat to bitcoin uh, none of the other protocols will compete against Bitcoin in what Bitcoin is doing. Um, and so, you know, it, it, I, I just I think it's very we got to be very careful because the ethos of Bitcoin is this very libertarian idea of live and let live and let freedom reign and let people make good decisions, bad decisions. The good ones are going to win regardless. Um, and so, you know, I, I don't want to see Bitcoin and Bitcoiners turn into this cancel, cancel culture or progressive uh, nanny state, which it's kind of turning into. And, and just because I said the word Litecoin or compass mining, now I'm going to get attacked. Like I'm just having a conversation and I want to have, you know, you know, I want to be, I want to stay curious. Okay. Like, yes, Bitcoin won. Nothing's going to compete with Bitcoin. But I don't want to buy. I don't want to be naive to what's going on around us because, yes, most of the altcoins act like securities. So what? People invest in securities all the time. They invest in stock markets. They invest in in all these things. And it's not that these the elements of this technology development or different protocols can't be useful or helpful in the future. People are. It's just a free market of ideas. People failing and people succeeding. And there's nothing wrong with that. And and I don't see any of this as a threat to Bitcoin. Bitcoin, again, like I said, Bitcoin is one. So, 
you know, I just, I, for me, it's kind of like the toxic maxi mentality has turned into a religion, like a real religion for people. And I equate it to like, I'm a Christian. And so for me, uh, the thing that attracted me to Christianity in, in a lot of ways was, you know, it's this mentality of relationship over, over religion. And yes, there are some very toxic Christians as well, but it's, I almost equate it to like these Bitcoin maxis are becoming these Pharisees where, where like, you know, they want to throw stones at the woman who committed adultery. And Jesus is like, Hey, who, who here has, you know, who sinned, you know, who else, who, who else here has sinned? like throw the first stone if you haven't sinned. And they're like, they all drop their stones and walk away. I mean, like, yes, we all make mistakes. Yes. We all, um, you know, go through a journey, but I don't think that also, I don't think that should kill our curiosity or stop a discussion or close people out from the, from the Bitcoin community. Cause I don't, I actually don't see any protocols of threat to Bitcoin. Absolutely. That that's uh, that's really interesting, you know, tying it back to um, the radio show and reaching an older generation. What do you think are uh, and I would I would think that it, it's got to muddy the waters for um, the let's just call it the baby boomers that that maybe haven't done the research. Right. And then they then they try to look into it. And then there's like all million of these different things. And there's this and there's that. And Bitcoin's supposed to be the original. It's supposed to be the one. But there's these other six things. What, what are these things? Um, what are your thoughts on how that can muddy the water for uh, for people that haven't done the research? Obviously, the only answer for all of this stuff is you've just got to dive in and do your own research, right? But um, you know, on the on the front end, looking from the outside in, that that for sure has got to muddy the waters, especially for older people that that aren't so much in the know. Yeah, um, yeah. So my my show is primarily focused on Bitcoin. Yes, have I talked about NFTs and what is an NFT and what's the definition of DeFi? Like. Yeah, I'm going to have those kind of conversations. But again, it's not because I think it's better than Bitcoin. Um, it's it's literally I'm just I just want to stay curious. I want to present this information to people in the right manner and say, hey, listen, Bitcoin is what you need to focus on. Me, me and Charlie share, share the same sentiment. When we hold the, the Bitcoin meetups, come to the Bitcoin meetup. And if you are a total crypto degenerate and, and you want to come to the meeting, we welcome you. But our focus at the meeting is going to be Bitcoin. And if you want to go off to the side and talk about these other altcoins and what's going on in that space, yeah, sure, that's fine. I don't have a problem with that. But like, I just want to make sure that we as Bitcoiners are not closing off you know, the, the, the conversation and, and that we're still being friendly. Uh, because here's the truth. Bitcoin doesn't need us to win. Like I, I, I believe that. I think Bitcoin has already won. I think, I think the people that are in it are in it. I think Bitcoin's going to attract more capital. It's going to attract more people. It's inevitable. That's my personal opinion. Um, but I want the baby boomers to focus on Bitcoin because that's where you need to start. That's to understand what's going on in the space. You have to understand what money is, and you have to understand what Bitcoin is and how Bitcoin is solving that. You know, that's that's interesting. You bring up uh, a couple of pieces there. So. You know, thinking about baby boomers focusing on Bitcoin, and this is something that I've that I've thought about a little bit. Just talking with, um, I guess, more so family for me at this point. That's, um, uh, I guess, probably probably forty and above. You know, they're like, okay, so it makes sense because you're really young, and there's all this future ahead. Um, you know, I mean, talking with talking with Brian, right, with with uh, with Choice App last week, you know, talking about giving the ability to uh, to hold Bitcoin in an IRA, a Roth IRA. I mean, over the next 
like, I don't know, like, what, what are your thoughts on that for, you know, somebody that's just about to enter retirement? I mean, it feels, it feels more volatile right now, right? I mean, the system is not correct, exactly in place right now for us to be, oh, we're just going to hop on, be a Bitcoin standard. I, I don't think that we're super far away, right? Uh, but it's kind of strange because we are still operating in a fiat world, whether we like it or not. Um, I'm, I'm really interested to hear Brian's thoughts on how he's utilizing Bitcoin as his checking account, as his banking account, is what he was talking about. Because um, that doesn't quite make sense to me yet in this world. Um, so I'm interested to hear his thoughts on that. And I'd like to hear your thoughts on how you how you kind of organize, like how does Bitcoin play a role in your personal finances? But um, and then and then are, are the older generations at this point just treating it as a speculative asset in that, hey, we think that in the short term, this is going to go up. Well, or, I, or are they looking at it as it's going to be the change? This is going to be the money that we use. Well, that's what I want them to understand. I want them to understand that this is the future of money. This is the this is the the base layer of value, like and and I and I want them to to measure the world in Bitcoin and not in dollars. Like that's that's the mentality that I want them to have, and and this this change of the monetary systems is it's not like it's going to be this one point in history or or one single moment where everything's just going to change over. You've got one system that's dying and one system that's rising, and it's just they're going to overlap each other, and and it's like Bitcoin is that life raft. And yes, will they will baby boomers end up using, you know, traditional, you know, investment vehicles that they're familiar with where they can actually get exposure to Bitcoin? Sure, there's nothing wrong with that. But hey, if you're a baby boomer, also learn how to to, to hold your own Bitcoin in a cold storage wallet. Learn how to manage a private seed phrase and private keys, you know. Uh, and so I, 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 I encourage both of it because I think it's a it's, you know, we've got. Oh. And I'm, are we here? Are we, are we yep, there you back? go. You're back. You're back. You're back. Yeah. So like I, I hear all the time, like, like, can you just manage it for me? And I'm like, no, I'm not a money manager. I'm here to teach you how to fish. I'm here to teach you how to do this safely. Um, and so I, I, I think it's just going to be a process. I mean, like there's plenty of people in my family who didn't start using email to 2005. Like there's going to be some late adopters to this, but I think the more that we can make some noise and the more that we can educate people, Guys, I got to plug in my computer real quick. Hold on. No worries. It's going to die. I think you asked a really good question, though, Nick. And I mean, like, it is hard for Bitcoin to play a role in the finance aspect of it. But <clears throat> as innovations like Strike, adding it to the APR systems at McDonald's and got like that whole list and Shopify yeah. integrating the Lightning Network, I kind of think that that aspect of it really can speed it up. I think it's just more, it'll be, it like kind of goes to the point why it's going to be so hard to hold your Bitcoin over the next, let's say, let's say you're a long, you really view this as the long term and you know, Bitcoin's going to be worth 10 million, a hundred million, whatever. It's really has an infinite value because it's changing the way money is going to work with society. It's going to be hard to hold on to it because there's going to be a lot of people that build on to Bitcoin that make it easy for you to spend it because they're integrating it into like the medium of exchange side of the world. So I kind of just think my question was going to be more like, what, what do you think is the next big innovation to Bitcoin? Because obviously strike adding it to all of these businesses or they're now going to be able to accept that the lightning network is a big deal. What's the next big innovation to Bitcoin. That's going to be like, wow, like this thing is like right in our face because obviously the more real it 
it becomes is when you have a QR code at your dinner table and they give you a check and you just go, cool. Like, I don't have to, you know, sign the check. I don't have to like do all this stuff. It just, boom, thanks, sats, move on with your day. Like, what do you think is the next big innovation and how far are we from that world? This is a question for me. Mm -hmm. oh, okay. Well, our, hey, no, you're just our guest. Okay. <laughs> whoever's listening. Yeah. No, yeah. whoever's listening out there. Yeah. Um, okay. So, uh, yeah, I think I think Lightning Network is going to be huge. I think you know when you've got, uh, you know, Lightning Network is in front of people's faces, and you got people like Apple, you know, integrating it into to Apple Pay or something like that. That's that's going to be huge. Um, but you know, when you look at the when you look at something like Bitcoin becoming money, you know, obviously you've probably heard this before. It goes through these evolutionary phases where first it's a collectible, then it's a store of value, then it becomes a medium of exchange, and then it becomes a true measure of wealth. Well, I think we need to see a whole lot more institutions, companies, people using it as a store of value before we really start seeing it as a um, as a as a medium of exchange. Uh, I think this evolution, you know, could speed up. I think you know you hear a lot of people say it's you know slow and steady, and then all of a sudden, um, especially if we're on the brink of the traditional financial system just absolutely falling apart, which we could be, and I I believe in in, in that mindset. Um, but I, I think the innovation is going to be that the mindset changes, that people see Bitcoin for what it is, because the biggest problem right now is you have all of these institutional investors seeing Bitcoin as some kind of risky tech stock. And it's like, that's the whole, that's the wrong way to, to treat it. I mean, you've got, you know, you've got the, this, this cohort or this, this core group of people who really understand Bitcoin, who are hodling, who are hodling it, treating it correctly. And then you've got. The majority of these people who are either traders or speculative, you know, tech investors uh, or institutional investors who are treating it this way, uh, and that's why I think we see a lot of correlation uh, to traditional markets right now. Um, but I do think there's going to be a, a uh, you know pivotal moment or this this inflection point where where all of that changes. Um, but as far as innovation goes, yeah, I mean, I think definitely think payments is going to be a part of it, but. I I don't think we're going to get to that payment part until people start using it as a real store of value, which, again, mass majority of people who are entering in the space, especially from 2020 to 2021, aren't really seeing it as a store of value. They're seeing it as a speculative asset. Yeah, it's such an interesting it's it's weird to see which one will truly get adopted first, because like we're saying, money typically follows this path and adoption. But Bitcoin, it has people working on it from all of, all, all of the angles. So where it really breaks, I mean, I guess that's kind of what I say. When I say I'm, this is not financial advice, but when you're investing in something, I mean, how many different things can Bitcoin really get its hands in? It's like a lot of different things just because that's the network of it, the money aspect of it, the retirement savings of it, even the digital property argument I've heard to Jason Lowry, which I don't know if everybody loves Jason Lowry, but. I like his hash force idea. I mean, I think it's a good idea because why like in these type one, two, three civilizations, right? Where hopefully humanity can get to at one point, we would love to be able to say that we can get to Mars and back, that we can uh, kind of fix the world's problems, whatever to get there. You have to be able to utilize your, like you have to be able to utilize your money better than we do right now. Right. And money does have to change whether it is Bitcoin or it is a central bank digital currency, or it is uh, Ethereum, which would, I think that might be the worst of all of the three. 
but money does have to change in the next in the next 50 years i would say or else we will face a collapse like you're talking about because it's like like where where are we gonna go like we can't get more inflationary inflation does cause a huge wealth gap and it's causing it between now it's between it feels like i was talking about this last week it feels like it used to be rich and poor now it's kind of like if you're middle class you're kind of becoming poor and when you attack any country's middle class let alone america's middle class one it doesn't really typically get perceived very well and two i mean it's going to destroy the, I would say we're still probably one of the healthier, economically speaking, one of the healthier companies or sorry, countries in the world, or at least one of the most powerful. So when we destroy our middle class, like, I don't know if that'll be the change in mindset we're thinking of, you know, I mean, I hope, I mean, it's, it's kind of getting to a point where people are going to be faced with the decision. Okay. Like, do I have a savings account in dollars or do I have it in Bitcoin or do I have it on strike? So I can kind of like play both sides of it. I don't know. I kind of think the uh, I don't know the developer side of these things, but it would be cool to see a few more applications built for Bitcoin. It would be cool to see, you know, a lot of these peer to peer type transactions that can be just validated on the Lightning Network with a simple little Lightning payment take its way, like meet its way into healthcare somehow. Like take its way. I, like my biggest thing is I work with a lot of physicians with my job, and it's like. They have to pay tens of thousands of dollars just to be like American board certified, just to deal with the FDA, just to deal with all this regulation. Feels like Bitcoin can dip its hand even into a lot of those intermediaries where it's just like if you can just validate with one little lightning payment, all of a sudden these physicians can be board certified without tens of thousands of dollars of fake testing and it being bought. I kind of think that could push Bitcoin to a new level as well of develop like but I don't understand. I don't know what all the developers are doing. You know, there's poker rooms where you can pay with Bitcoin. But are there uh, are there going to be new robust networks in Bitcoin, or do you think maybe that's where altcoins do play a role, where they forget the token aspect of their business, they somehow integrate with Bitcoin and they take their use cases they talk about because there are there are use cases out there. Netflix right. and all of those streaming platforms could be disintermediated. To a degree, right? Like you could just take the content straight to the people. Like it'd be nice if Marvel Studios could just drop their movie on Twitter and you just right. pay for it right there on Twitter. You right. don't have to all go through all the BS to do it. Right. Do you think that there is a future for that with Bitcoin? Do you think that there will be these cool decentralized applications and kind of new companies, new platforms? Or do you think that's even more distant than the money side of it? Well, the way I look at, uh, you know, Bitcoin is, you know, like Bitcoin is creating this new financial system and the it's it's kind of emulating the and I think what's going to happen, it's going to emulate what has traditionally been done in the sense that Bitcoin's that base store value layer, just like gold was in the analog in the analog world. And then we built layers on top of, of gold. And you guys have heard this. You know, you got the, the, the gold back currencies. And obviously, yes, we left the pegs a long time ago. But then you had the checks and the credit cards and then the fintech and stuff like that. And so I think as these layers get built on top of Bitcoin, I think you're going to see different things integrate into this, is, this ecosystem. But everybody's going to be measuring this this whole entire world in the value of bitcoin and what bitcoin is and what bitcoin has done and so like when i hear about other protocols or other blockchains or other you know use cases for this stuff like 
I'll be the first one to tell you, like, yes, I think Bitcoin has won, but I'm also not naive to believe that there aren't going to be other protocols used for other things. And yes, it may be integrated on top of some of these other layers that are built on top of Bitcoin. Like, and that's perfectly fine. With something we really, that's something I like discussing more than, I think that's kind of the fun conversation that Bitcoin gets left out of a lot. And Maxis might not like it, but there is some use to NFTs out there, right? Like that we could find. It's just that we don't want to break the money side of it. We don't want a bunch of companies with tokens because that is, a, I mean, like that's securities fraud. It's a Ponzi scheme. It doesn't work. But on the other side, there is good innovation out there outside of just fixing the money. You can right. fix a lot of review boards. I mean, like it'd be nice to fix a lot of things. Think about title companies, right? For first purchases of, right. of real estate, those types of things for sure. Yeah, you you yeah. still have real world assets. Like, yeah. you know, you still live in the real world. Yeah, I was listening to Sailor talk on that Lex Friedman podcast about how Bitcoin will eventually have this layer four, um, like NASDAQ built onto it and things like that. Like in the Bitcoin world, there will be these great financial institutions and even better yet, this goes back to, uh, I'm just thinking of what Nick said, maybe it was two weeks ago or last week, Nick, where you were talking about, well, buying Bitcoin is kind of like buying real estate in Manhattan, except for on a much larger scale, because you're kind of taking that scarcity of Manhattan real estate and you're distributing it all over the world. And currently, pretty much everybody has like an equal opportunity to go build onto it or do something amazing with it or be the next Rockefeller in Bitcoin. But you know, I mean, honestly, it just takes a lot of next level thinking because everything, you know, has to be played out in a lot of steps. But uh, do you think that Bitcoin, do you like, does this price action, like, what have you been thinking about it going from 40 to 60? Do you even care? Are you a one Bitcoin is one Bitcoin person as well? Or how do you see it playing out for the rest of the year for your boomers that would be listening to your radio show? Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm definitely a one Bitcoin is one Bitcoin. Uh, but, you know, the challenge is, is calming everybody's fears because they still measure stuff in, in dollars. Um, you know, it's like I was having a conversation. Uh, I think it was with with you. Nick. I was like, I was like, I have universal, uh, you know, insurance uh, policy and I took ten thousand dollars out of it and, and bought, you know, bought some more Bitcoin because I don't want dollar denominated uh, investment vehicles uh, because I, I, I see the dollar going to crap. And, and so, you know, for me, like, I just have to like remind people like, you know, that this is a, a, a slow process. It's not a get rich quick thing. Uh, but you know, if you can equate it to, if you can get them to understand that the current thing that they're using and that they're measuring value in is dying and enslaving them, then, then they can start slowly start to change their mindset. Um, and so I think that's really the battle that I fight is, yeah, sure. Is it fun? For them to see it go up in, in dollar price, yeah, sure it is. But that's just because that's where their mindset is. Um, but for me, I'm not concerned about it. I mean, I've been in the space for six years now. And it's just, you know, over if your you know, time horizon is is pretty wide or you know, out there, you know, it's higher highs and higher lows. You know, I don't I, I don't really watch the daily price action. It is uh, interesting to think about where we're at today, you know, looking forward into the future and we can talk and speculate about what the Bitcoin standard will be in the future. And that's obviously the fun, exciting conversation. Um, another one that's interesting is is where we're at right now today. You know, I mean, I, I said it earlier, talking about people that are denominating life already right now in Bitcoin. Um, you know, I, I don't know if that means like, oh, I'm going to go get gas. And then it's like, oh, I paid, you know, 50 bucks to fill up my tank. 
how much, how many sats is that just to like have a gauge of what that is like, I don't know. I don't know if that's what people are meaning by saying that, that they're denominating uh, their life in Bitcoin already. Uh, but, but, you know, another conversation that Griff and I had had, I think it was during the week this week, talking about currently in our system, saving is just not enough. You, you can't save, right? You can't just save. That's not really going to get you anywhere. You'll, you'll, you'll save, right? And you'll, as long as you're, as long as you're saving more dollars than are eroding over time, you will grow. Your, your savings will grow, right? Obviously, if you just let it sit over time, it's going to erode, right? Uh, but it, it's wild that today, because money is broken, we are forced into a position to have to be day traders. We got to be, we got to be stock market experts to know, do this, do that, do this, do that. And that's just to keep up, right? That's not like, that's not taking risk and making big gains. That's like just keeping up, right? I mean, uh, Michael Saylor's a huge proponent of the idea that inflation is not a scalar, but a vector where it's, it's not just, it's not just uh, two plus two equals four. I mean, we're talking about much higher levels of math to really understand what's going on in the traditional financial system. Um, but it's, it's wild to think that, man, on a, on a sound money standard, whether it's Bitcoin or anything else, if it's a sound money standard, man, you can just save, you can just, you could just save. And that's, that's all you really have to do. If you want to, if you want to preserve right to to hit on your your key terms because you Matt you and I use the same words to describe money it's economic it's re- representation of economic value that is backed by the time and labor put in to produce or earn whatever whatever we want to look at it as right but it's it's time and labor time and labor capital expense to uh to produce in the market or to earn whatever it is um if you want to forego the consumption of that economic value on a sound money standard, you can just save it. But today, if you just save it, it erodes over time, which is, that's that's pretty wild. Now, uh, I, I don't know. See, now, now I'll just play devil's advocate. Uh, at the same time, uh, you know, I, let's say that, let's say that, you know, two years ago, I went out and, uh, you know, I did, I did masonry in high school. So I, I, uh, I would go out with my masonry uh, teacher uh, at Tulsa Tech. And we would build mailboxes on the weekends. We built like five or six of them over, you know, I think like the year that I was there and uh, made a couple of bucks on the weekend and stuff. Well, I did that and I store this value here. Um, You know, is that as valuable? Is that mailbox as valuable today as whenever I put it together? I don't I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe not. Uh, But I did expend late time and labor in the market. Right. We'll just call it the market to be the broad term to create, uh, meet some need in the, in the market, right? Somebody needed their mailbox fixed or a new mailbox placed. Well, I I met the need, my, my tech instructor and I met the need. We, we got uh, money to pay for our raw expenses and then we cut the profits and we part our ways. And now we, we met a demand in the market and we got paid to do that. And now I could take that that money and I could go consume it today, right? Maybe I want to go out and buy a steak dinner or something. We didn't make a ton of money. We made like a hundred bucks profit each or whatever, you know. Maybe I want to go out and buy a real nice steak dinner because I want to celebrate. Oh, I built this mailbox, made some money. Now I can pay for a nice dinner for myself, whatever, right? Or I could save it and say, you know what? I'm going to use it for something later on in the future. 
uh, I can save that. And that has the purchasing power that should have on a, on a sound money standard, the purchasing power into perpetuity, right? Uh, Griff, that, that example you were talking about was, um, is it was a Michael Saylor deal where he talks about uh, if you could buy, if you know what you know now, and if you could buy real estate in 1700, right in, in Manhattan, where Manhattan is, how much would you buy? And it's like, well, you'd buy as much as you could, right? Because you know where the value is going to be. And this feels to be the same exact thing with Bitcoin in that it's a fixed supply, right? New York, Manhattan, there's there's not more island going to come up. They're not they're not going to make more island, right? Uh, it is fixed that there is that amount of land is there and there's no more, uh, as is the same with Bitcoin, right? There's 21 million at this point, just over 19 million. And if I can buy more right now, uh, so early on, I just saw a deal on Twitter the other day that was showing the uh, the bell curve of adoption, right? The, the early adopters uh, or the innovators, the early adopters, early majority, late majority, and then late adopters. And that innovators piece, I believe, it, or, or innovators and early adopters, I think it's 2.5%, I guess, is that cutoff between innovators and early adopters, how they break it out. And uh, I guess right now, people on the Bitcoin network has just hit 2.5% of the population, which is, it still shows us that we're way early on, right? Um, if we think about way out into the future about what Bitcoin can do globally, um, I mean, these are some these are some huge things that, man, if we could just save our money and it, and it held its purchasing power into the future, that is that is such a huge thing that, that feels like, it feels... I would use the phrase seemingly insignificant. It's like, oh yeah, I can save, I can save my money. Okay, cool. But like that, that has a huge impact on how people operate mentally in what they do day to day. The, the, the culture and mindset that, that, that starts to nurture and create within smaller communities and then into larger communities and now into cities and states and countries and, and then the entire world, right? If, if we're all able to think more about the future, what is that going to do for us? And I think that that's going to do a lot of really good stuff. You know, whereas today, time preference is so high that we, we're thinking about right now, right now, right now, right now. And we're running into issues into the future that were, that were side effects of short-term decisions that we made in the past. And, and we're, we're, we're seeing the, the side effects, the ugly side effects right now. I mean, Eight and a half percent. Is that is that good with everybody? Are we happy to sit here and just take that take that beating, you know, like or or do we have to say, hey, like, I don't know exactly what the answer is, but there's an issue. There's an issue going on. And it seems like parts of the answer are this and this and this and this. And that also happens to be only what Bitcoin can provide. Yeah, I would agree. It's uh, it's interesting then to think about that with. Um, with the crypto space in general, right? To then to then try to muddy the waters, right? Because you know, again, we don't want to ostracize people that are that are in crypto in general, and and maybe are right. playing multiple pieces of the game. Um, that being said, there is a lot of malicious actors out there, people that are trying to take advantage, right? I mean, we we all see we all see the stuff on Twitter where it's like, uh, send one Bitcoin and I'll send two back, and it's like. Right. You know, hope hopefully, like they're getting people. Right. I hate to see it. I hate to see it. I mean, if you're at the point where you're giving people Bitcoin, you probably don't deserve it. <laughs> well, it's like it's it's almost equivalent. To, it's almost equivalent to that saying, uh, "You deserve Bitcoin at the price you bought it at." 
Mm, um, mm, mm. So, you know what? I mean, that's the thing, guys. Like, I don't have a problem with people getting scammed. I don't have a problem with people losing money because guess what? That's how you learn. Like, I'm sorry, but that's how you learn. Like, if if you don't learn the hard lessons, you ain't going to learn. Absolutely. Well, it's like, you know, ideally, you you can tell you can tell your kid to not touch the iron and and that they listen and, and trust you. Uh, of course, trust is a whole different conversation in this, right? And as, as far as Bitcoin and money and, and all this stuff goes. But uh, yeah, I mean, ideally, you, you can learn those lessons. I, I mean, Griff and I were talking about this the other day as well. Like Griff, whenever he first got in the space of crypto, he, he, he looked around and played all these different games, uh, invested in all the different uh, tokens and coins, and then eventually found Bitcoin. And it was like, oh, okay, so this is so this is the real thing. This is what to I'm going to be fair. Into. I went Bitcoin, invest in whatever, but I always held Bitcoin first. And Bitcoin's then, what I heard about yeah. first. It didn't make sense to me. Like, I literally played the whole, what was it? TRX is that one? BTT, I think. BitTorrent is one. I don't know because I was like, they have use cases or whatever. So I went from Bitcoin to not really understanding Bitcoin to understanding like because the marketing is so much better for all coins than it is for Bitcoin. I mean, just like naturally, like until you actually find all the Bitcoin people on Twitter, it's hard to get a good, like accurate picture of what like, you know, Bitcoin's going after or you just don't get enough Bitcoin content to like really understand why Bitcoin's best or you have to do your homework. Right. But these altcoins have great marketing. I mean, they really do. And they have, they do have these communities where people are basically praying that the price pumps so that they can get their like money back essentially. But I just wanted to clarify. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, so I, I, I was Bitcoin, saying that you know, I was Bitcoin first, but I did, and I did deserve, I deserved more Bitcoin, I think at that time, but I didn't have a lot of money. It was at like, what was it? Like 8,000. But it's so funny. Do you like think the narratives that hang with it? The narrative that at that time was like, oh, it's going to like the price is going to drop or it's worth nothing or whatever. I mean, it's the same things they say now at 40,000 or whatever it is at now. And I think they're going to keep saying that. So it's like 500,000, maybe a million. Like who really knows? Right. Because I mean, Bitcoin's value is like really is infinite when you think about it. If your time frame is big enough. Um yeah. yeah, well, I yeah, I kind of I kind of see it as um, I kind of see like you know early on it was the narrative was you know oh it's only used by criminals. Well, that's kind of fading away. Like we've kind of proved that you know that's not really the case. And if a criminal is using Bitcoin, they're dumb. Like and they deserve to be caught. Um, and so so like so I I think these narratives are just gonna fade away as soon as like this this environmental fud narrative it's gonna fade away. But like, because Bitcoin is anti-fragile, you can throw crap at it and you can keep throwing crap at it, but it's still going to win. Like, and, and so like, I, I think, I think it's just going to be one of those things where, you know, you, yes, you're going to have all these different narratives and these different, you know, like, oh, it's going to go to zero, but eventually enough people are going to realize what Bitcoin is doing and what it is, but they're just going to be like, yeah, that's, I guess those narratives aren't really true because I think time will prove. I absolutely agree. Also, uh, for those of you who do not know, and I lear literally learned this the other day, fear or uh, FUD is fear, uncertainty, and doubt. Is that that's correct? Yeah. So when we talk about FUD, it's 
fear, uncertainty, and doubt narratives that are being pushed. You know, Griff, you, you did bring up an interesting piece there, but I'm going to save it for another conversation. Uh, but but the piece that you were talking about, the marketing for altcoins is is definitely different because, you know, Bitcoin does not have a centrally planned marketing team that's like, you know, it's like we that's what we're doing right here. We are the Bitcoin marketing team. Like that's why I do like some of those toxic maxis. I mean, I don't, you know, obviously for the compass mining reasons we were talking about. I mean, just like you said, there are Christians you don't like, you know, evangelists, like people who really like hardcore, nothing else could explain anything type people. It's like, okay, wait a second. Like if you're in Bitcoin, the whole reason you got in here is because you're supposed to be open minded. You can't you can't get closed minded on us. We're literally changing the like the entire financial system is changing and you were early enough to believe it. So you should be early enough to understand there will be innovation on top of Bitcoin that you maxi, whoever it is, you do not like, I mean, it's just what it is, but I do feel like they're, they play somewhat of a necessary role because that's honestly like the, the toxic, whatever. At one point when I got into it, probably more like a year and a half ago, there was a, it was a little bit better. Like it's right. a little better than where it's at right now. Like it was how I got into it. They defended it. I was like, they kind of trashed a lot of the other altcoins and through some of the bad trashing, there were a couple good threads. And I was like, Oh, that makes sense. I right. should not be investing in Ethereum or I shouldn't even be dabbling in it just because it's like, you know, it is what it is. Like it's not really, it doesn't really have a place in the industry we're creating, but just to defend them a little bit, because I like those guys. I like the I like the Bitcoin maxis to a de- to a degree. I mean, they're just going to be mean. It is what it is. You know, there's people. They're just they're going to be like the old grandpas that are like shaking their stick at whatever new Bitcoin innovation is around in like sixty years or something like that. You know, but they're around. It is what it is. They're better than the fiat defenders of the world. I mean, these. Oh. Are, it's so crazy, man. How many people are defending uh, the current financial system just because they have a big four hundred one k? I don't want to call anybody out that I know, but it's like, listen, if the only investment you've made your entire life is a 401k, you're 57 years old and somebody's telling you about Bitcoin, it's not that they don't believe in Bitcoin, it's that they're scared of it because they they don't know what to do. They have to they have to decide. They're having to make these big decisions because not every company that they're invested in on that 401 has Bitcoin on their balance sheet and not all of them are going to survive a hard money standard. It's a totally different economy than what they're basically they've lived their entire lives in. And a 401k at one point is literally our government trying to give a kickback after destroying the economy. And they said, hey, here's an easier way to invest. Uh, Please help us get our markets back up. And people bought into it. It's kind of like Social Security. I mean, a lot of it is just propaganda. But um, I don't know. I mean, we need some Bitcoin maxis out there to defend the world. We yeah, need, I mean, it's, we it's need some better marketing, but at the same time, maybe that's what this podcast will do. We'll get like two more people into Bitcoin, we'll right. orange a couple, and we'll just do it one or two at a time. That's it. Yeah, I mean, again, like I, I, I again, I don't have problem with Bitcoiners defending Bitcoin because it's it's the immune system of Bitcoin. Yeah. But just let's make sure we don't turn into an autoimmune disease. Seriously, absolutely. Uh, I think that that's that, that's a that's a great saying there. Let's not <laughs> let's not turn it into an autoimmune disease. That's that's brilliant. I like it yeah. a lot. Well, Matt, it has been an absolute pleasure. We thank you so much for coming on. It's always fun to to hop on and have conversations with other people in the space to, uh, you know, give you another spot to share your information and your perspectives, allows us to learn a little bit more and broaden our perspectives and hopefully 
you people that are listening or watching right now. Hopefully you guys are having fun and uh, learning a little bit with us and broadening your perspectives. And hey, at the end of the day, you know, Griff and I are here hanging out with with Matt as well as others and just the two of us. Uh, we're just hanging out, talking and sharing ideas, trying to make sense of it for ourselves. You guys got to think about this on your own. You got to you got to put your own brains to it. What do you believe to be true in the world? And does this fit in that realm? And if it does, <clears throat> great. If it doesn't, well, then I don't know. We're, we're going to have to we, you'll have to He's figure it out. Lady doctor. It's all good. He's yeah, a lot of exactly lady right. You know like Matt said, you, you deserve Bitcoin at the price you bought it. So, um, well, Matt, it looks like is he paused there? Is he frozen? Are you there, Matt? Can you hear us? He's frozen. He is frozen. Oh, he's moving a little bit. He's kind of moving. Can you hear us, Matt? Well, Matt, it has been absolutely great to have you on today. Uh, I'm gonna survive this long. You know what I'm saying? We did. We made it all the way till the end, which is really good. And yeah. just sometimes at the end, it goes kaput on you because it knows the conversation was over. I guess computer knows all. Computer um, knows all, Nick. Well, uh, go connect with Matt uh, on Twitter. Let me see here. He is, uh, you can see it there at the bottom. Connect with Matt on Twitter at Matt Moore, M-A-T-T-M-O-O-R-E underscore OK. Go connect with that guy on Twitter. You could also go to MattJMoore.com and find all of his sources there. Guy wrote a book. Um, so go, go check out his, uh, his info, go to mattjmore.com. You can find all of his, uh, all of his, uh, information. So Griff, that was a, that was a pretty fun one. I, I like that guy. That was a fun conversation to have. He's doing a lot. He's a good, um, how I would say it. If you want Bitcoin Maxi, he kind of seems like he's the perfect balance. Uh, yep. glad he has a radio show. Glad he got Bitcoin at a better price than me because it sounds like he deserves it a little bit more than I do. But uh, what have you? Yeah, it was a great guest. Uh, yep. I'm glad that you're connected with all these guys in Tulsa, man. That's awesome. I know the Sacramento Bitcoin meetup has eight people. Hopefully, I can dip my hand into that sometime soon and maybe help them out or just be a part of it. If any Sacramento Bitcoin meetup people ever listen to minute 86 of our podcast here, I'm going to let you know right now. I would like to come. I'd like to join up with you. But until then. I'll just live vicariously through you, Nick. All righty, guys. We appreciate you listening to another episode of the Nick and Griff Show. Come hit us on Twitter, right uh, oh, down down there. Come hit us up on Twitter, uh, at Nick and Griff Show. Nick is spelled NYC, just like New York City, and spelled out. Griff is G-R-I-F-F with two Fs and show, at Nick and Griff Show on Twitter. Come talk to us, and we will see you next week. Peace.